This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd. I'm Dina Marie, your host, and in for Archbishop Alexander Sample is Bishop Peter Smith, our Auxiliary Bishop for the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. And welcome back, Bishop Smith. It's great to have you joining us on the program. Thank you, Dina Marie, and uh, blessings to all those of you who are joining us in whatever way you're joining us on uh, the radio, on live streaming, uh, any other social media. Glad that you could be with us. And thank you for your support of Mater Day Radio. It's so great. And I want to uh, open up this conversation to really focus on the month of May. We celebrate, of course, our Blessed Mother and the Catholic Church, the May crownings that go on. We have Mother's Day here in our country where we honor our mothers and particularly motherhood. And then we have something, we have Memorial Day, again, a reminder of those who have gone before us and really recalling our love and our appreciation for those who have gone before us, the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima. And then another beautiful feast day, maybe people don't remember is the visitation. One of the mysteries that we pray in the rosary is the visitation, Our Our Lady and Elizabeth coming together, you know, newly uh, mothers in these beautiful babies, Jesus and uh, St. John the Baptist. So there's a lot we can unpack. I wanted to begin with just some of your experiences with our Blessed Mother, the month of May, growing up in South Africa, maybe a little bit different traditions, but in your family, in the parishes that you grew up and, you know, what was your experience of Our Lady and some of the devotion that may have been shared with you? How much time do we have? <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, let me begin. I'll get to that. But you mentioned Mother's Day. And that's something I just make a couple of comments on, on Mother's Day. Every day is Mother's Day. I mean, we should be honoring, you know, like Father's Day. We should be honoring our parents the best we can. Every day is Mother's Day. And uh, obviously, on Mother's Day, we do we want to go make it more special for our mothers. And when I was at St. Rose as a pastor there, I would always remind the kids, taking your mother down to the coffee and donuts after Mass, where, where it's always free, that's, that doesn't count as a Mother's Day gift. But one other thing that I became aware of and uh, when I was pastor at St. Rose was we, we would honor mothers, biological mothers, but there are other women who can never be biological mothers, have never been biological mothers for whatever reason. And yet they also, in a sense, as women, can be as mothers to others. And they exude this maternal care for people. And so whenever I pray that blessing, 
for Mother's Day, I would say, not just for the biological mothers, yes, we pray for them, but for all other women who exude and exhibit a mother's care for those entrusted to their possession. And it was a tradition at one of the masses at, at St. Rose. There was a gentleman there who would buy, for the particular mass that, that they went to, he would buy a, a, like 200 red roses and he would give it to all the mothers. And I remember the one day a woman came by and I, I offered her and she said, I'm not a mother. And it just nailed me. So why, why can't she? So it was like every woman next year, every woman who was in that, that mass got a rose. And if there were left over, I'd tell all the little boys, go and give this to your mother. Say happy Mother's Day. So just a way of honoring uh, women, for, not just our biological mothers who have a special place, but all women who, ex who exhibit that kind of maternal care, that gift that they have from God for all those entrusted to them. So, okay, I'll move to personal growing up. So where I grew up in South Africa, we were always part of one parish, uh, St. Mary's. And it uh, was, it was based on a, a, a 16th century French church design and all these beautiful columns going down this apps and the altar and everything. So this, these sort of side roof, uh, but St. Mary's was the church that where I received almost all my sacraments, um, up to and until, until the time that I was ordained, all the other sacraments I received there. And it was run by the Oblates of Mary Immaculate Community, OMIs. And the previous archbishop, uh, two archbishops back of the Archdiocese of Durban, uh, was an OMI archbishop. And it was one of the big communities in South Africa. Um, OMIs, where we had a brief connection with the OMIs and this archdiocese because Francis George, who was archbishop here for one year, and then went to Chicago and became the Cardinal Archbishop of Chicago, was for many years the number two man in the OMIs worldwide. But devotion to Mary and the Marian tradition was very strong in my life growing up. Uh, and that became very practical, too, because you know, one of my practices of my family, uh, we would, at the end of dinner, we would pray a decade of the rosary. So it would, the way it worked was my mother, who's a convert to Catholicism, would read a little piece of scripture and then a reflection. And then we would make some comments on that. And then we would pray a decade of the rosary. And my dad would start it. And each kid got to lead one of the, one of the Hail Marys. And then my parents would finish it. And we had other prayers as well. So the, the devotion to the Blessed Mother was very much part of our life of faith growing up. And in South Africa, uh, it's still is pretty strong uh, throughout the country, devotion to the, to the Blessed Mother. And you see this in the naming of churches. You see this in communities that are present and so on. In the part of South Africa that I come from, there is a, a shrine uh, Our Lady of Ngome, they call it. Ngome is a Zulu name, and it's the place where the Zulu king lives. And going back, I think it was 1948, a, a religious sister who was there, who was from Europe, had this series of visions of Mary. And, where, and it was like where the seven streams come together. Um, go there and build me a, sh a shrine there, a little church. And so the little church is still there. It doesn't seat but more than 20 plus people. 
but it's became, become a, a very much a shrine. Pilgrims go there all the time. It hasn't been formally uh, recognized by the church, but the church has done investigations of this and they have not said, you can't do this. So clearly they are looking at this. This appears to be genuine. The pilgrims of that come uh, have profound experiences there. People will go down to where the seven streams meet, take that water as, as the priests there will bless it. It's become quite a center of Catholicism in the area. And just one more manifestation as we were talking about in a previous talk about the Holy Spirit and, the, and signs and wonders where the manifestation of the supernatural and the divine in our ordinary life. And this is another one of those kinds of things. So the Blessed Mother is very, was very much part of my life growing up and remains so. And uh, we have all these things that I remember. I come here to the United States in different variations of the same sort of things, but very much part of our life of faith. Right. And you mentioned, Bishop Smith, about just being in the parish and some of the ways with Mother's Day that you just have been encouraging families and maybe just reflect your time. I know at Our Lady of the Lake at uh, St. Rose of Lima, but just being able to um, maybe inspire or encourage devotion to the Blessed Mother, the May crownings. What experiences can you recall of just having time in parish life during the month of May? The May crownings were with the parishes, with schools or with the religious education classes. That's always a great opportunity because it's something where the kids get out of the classroom. So this is what we're going to do. Okay, now why are we doing this? So you explain that. Okay, now we get the roses. Why roses? So it's a very sort of tactile thing. And this is why the church uses these signs and symbols and things to help represent and explain the faith in a way that people can understand. You know, we have to remember that in the Western world, we have a written language. We write all these things down and we educate, you know, mentally in a sense. In many parts of the world, people were uneducated, unable to read or write. And so the church would use other things to explain it. St. Patrick explaining the, the Trinity using the shamrock, you know, in Ireland. And this is one of the reasons why in our churches we have stained glass windows or statuary or now more recently, again, praise God, icons. What they do is they do it differently. And our understanding of them is a little different, but they help provide a visual library, a visual series of, of images that we can point to with our faith. So, for example, at Our Lady of the Lake, if you go in there, you've got those two massive transepts, one, one for the Assumption, one for the Immaculate Conception. And it's just really, really beautiful. When the sun shines through them, it's stunning. If you look at all the windows up the side and then around the, the sanctuary area, they are the mysteries of the rosary. And around the sanctuary area, it's, uh, it's the, the seven sacraments. There are six up there. And the, the seventh one isn't represented because you've got the tabernacle right there up against the back wall. So you see that there. At St. Rose, it was a little different. There were different images from the life of Jesus, but there were all these little other pieces. So on, on one of the transept ones, uh, the one with St. Rose uh, on it, 
you see these two hearts. So it's the um, sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary. And in using, when I would, particularly with the school children, but also with others, you, know, you can point to those and say, now take a look at this. What's represented here and why? So those kinds of things, particularly with the younger people, are ways that we can do this. Other, other ways that we can do is the different aspects of uh, Marian devotion, praying the rosary. Uh, and it's not just a case of repetition of the rosary, uh, but when we pray the rosary, there are scriptural rosaries uh, that you can use. Uh, when I, whenever I had a, uh, a rosary before a funeral at St. Rose, I would get one of the scriptural rosaries. The one I really liked to use was the Luminous Mysteries because it allowed me to connect the person who has died. And so here's one of the luminous mysteries. So how do we see and you play that in this person's life? And then you go through and I either pray the Hail Mary straight through, or you could do a little, you get a little uh, a piece of scripture and you just read one line before each, each Hail Mary takes a little longer, 20 minutes, but what it does is it really sort of focuses people and cinches together um, Jesus, our Catholic faith, scripture, Mary. You know, so it's, it's all connected and interconnected. So there are things like that that we can do in the parishes uh, that where we can promote authentic uh, devotion to Mary as part of our life of faith. And if nothing else, to help our people understand the unique and privileged role that she has in our faith as the way by which the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, took on our form and came into our midst, like through a mother, just like all the rest of us. And he didn't beam down from the, from the, the great spaceship in the sky, but he came through his mo mother, just like every one of us. I love Bishop Smith, how you mentioned your mom, a convert, would use scripture and the rosary that she had that inspiration to bring about the word of God to reflect on, on scripture. Because I think sometimes people outside of the church might go, well, why are you just praying to Mary? But no, we're asking her to pray for us to, to join us in celebrating her son, Jesus, and to draw us closer to her son. So scripture and our devotion to Mary and Christ are so intertwined. You can't take them apart. And, and that just, I think, molds us in our faith. Well, when you look at our devotion to Mary, it's not something we just sort of sucked out of our thumb, so to speak. I mean, it comes from scripture and it comes from sacred tradition. Sacred tradition being those things that Jesus said and did that were held by the early church that weren't written down in the scriptures. And we have to remember everything was that until about 30 years after Jesus died. Then people started writing stuff down. So it was word of mouth that these things were passed on. And so we see it in some of the other writings that we have of the early church. We wish we had a whole lot more, but we have some of those writings. And that's where we see some of these things. And the early church, people believe this. So these are people, these aren't people who are making it up down the road. These are people who knew the apostles and disciples. Maybe it was the apostles and disciples and people wrote down, well, as so-and-so told us, this is the case. You know, so you have that connection, one step removed, two steps removed, where this is what the early church believed. 
So it was far less likely to be um, adjusted, modified, uh, as it might have happened down through the centuries, because that's what, so we look at that. So the Hail Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Where does that come from? That's the greeting from the angel. That is scripture through and through. And the second part is simply a prayer of intercession by us. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Now at the hour of our death, amen. You know, and if we understand the communion of saints, a very simple thing, and I could say to you, please pray for me. We do this all the time. Pray for one another so we can ask somebody who we believe is in heaven by faith, in heaven with God, we ask them to pray for us. You know, so this all sort of works together in our belief of faith and how we uh, understand all of this. It's not like we just throw these nice little devotional practices together. That's the one of the wonderful things about Catholicism. Because we've been around for so long and the Holy Spirit's had a lot more chance to uh, guide us, um, also to uh, correct us and admonish us and so on. Uh, over time, these things, we grow in our understanding of these things. Right. We're talking with Bishop Peter Smith on The Voice of the Shepherd during the month of May, a month dedicated in a special way to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And as we continue in these Easter readings, Bishop Smith, we do hear about the descent of the Holy Spirit. We get a little sense of this presence of the Blessed Mother still at the beginning of the birth of the church. I hear that Pentecost, we call it the birthday of the church, but maybe give us a sense of what we know or what tradition holds of, of Mary's role, those, those, that, that period of time where Jesus has ascended, he's sending down the Holy Spirit, and she's still with those apostles for a period of time to encourage them to, to help them along their way. Yeah, that's, that was our understanding that Mary was part with, with the apostles and disciples. And what adds to that is Jesus's words on the cross. When with John the apostle, mother, behold your son, son, behold your mother. And from that day, he took her into his house. So she's very much part of what's happening in the early church um, as things go along. And we don't know much uh, more from the scriptures uh, of what role she played, but clearly, clearly she was honored and respected in a, in a privileged way among the apostles and disciples in the early church. So we have that, and there was the early church beliefs and understanding about her that we see carried through uh, with, we believe that she was taken up into heaven and so on. So we have, have all those kinds of things, but not, not in as much detail as we would like. Uh, we have even less about St. Joseph. You know, we sort of have him at the beginning. He's there at the temple and then sort of disappears from the scene. We have more from Mary uh, all the way through Pentecost. And then after that, it's, we don't have a whole lot apart from these, uh, what we have in the sacred tradition in the church. But very clearly, she was part, very, uh, very much part at the essence of what's going on because John the Apostle is taking care of her until she is assumed into heaven. Right. 
And Bishop Smith, one of the things we do have around the world is we have shrines dedicated to Our Lady. Um, some of them, like Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of Lourdes, are approved apparition sites. I think about Guadalupe in Mexico City, but we can go pretty much around the globe into little tiny villages to large cities or towns and find a shrine dedicated to Our Lady. And then there's this invitation of going on pilgrimage, that people uh, go to pilgrimage to pray, maybe to ask for intercession on a healing, on a relationship. Uh, there's so many things to pray for. For, but maybe give us a sense of these shrines, why, why we have them dedicated to Our Lady and, and, and the value of them for our Catholic faith. Well, the most common name of, of, of any of a Catholic church worldwide is St. Mary's. And it's just, it's just, that's number one. Nothing else comes close, you know, and then, then we go down the list from there. But it, it's testaments to the importance we place on Mary in our Catholic faith, because she is the means by which Jesus Christ, our salvation, came into this world. And we honor that and in, in a very, very unique way. And the honoring of Mary comes from, we start with Jesus. So why do we honor the Blessed Mother? Well, we start with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came into this world. And he came through a young woman who said, yes. We look back with the perspective of faith. We look back from, you know, nearly 2,000 years of church life. We have scripture. We have all these other things that inform our faith. She never had that. She was a good Jewish girl. And the angel appears to her. And she says, yes. And so she has a unique and privileged role in our salvation, in the coming of our salvation. Jesus Christ comes through her into this world. And therefore, we honor her for that in a unique and privileged way. So that's where it all starts for us as Catholics. And it is true that sometimes people's devotion to our Blessed Mother, which is a good thing, um, can sometimes get to the point where, well, where's Jesus in this? You know, we have to maintain that balance. But we honor the Blessed Mother because of her role, particularly in that. And then also, you know, the, the Jesus is growing in Nazareth. We have Joseph and, Joseph and Mary. And in a sense, they've been entrusted with the care of the child Jesus um, as he grows to maturity, at least uh, in in his, his human perspective. Because of that, we give her pride of place. And it's interesting when you look at Pope Francis, one of, the, one of the things that really stands out about him is he has a deep devotion to the Blessed Mother. You know, whenever he comes back from trips, one of the things he'll go to do is to a, a statue or shrine of the Blessed Mother somewhere and pray, and pray before he goes on that. And interestingly enough, um, since his uh, accession to being the Pope, he's introduced a, a devotion um, to the Blessed Mother that was something that was very, very small. It's now taken off, and that's the devotion to Our Lady, Undoer of Knots. You know, and if you go to the, if you go into Santa Marta, which is where the Pope lives, which is essentially a guest house for cardinals 
during the time of a papal election. Otherwise, it, it, is, it is like a guest house inside the Vatican walls for visiting bishops, priests, and their, their immediate families. But there's a, a nice big meeting room as you enter it on the ground floor out of on the cobblestones you walk in. I guess the Pope, I believe, is somewhere up on the second floor on the right-hand side. But as you come in on the left-hand side, there's a big meeting room there, which can probably seat like 75 people. But there's this huge painting on the wall, Our Lady Undoer of Knots. And when he was sent to study either in Austria or Germany, wherever it was, this little place, that image was there. And he then developed this devotion to Our Lady, Undoer of Knots. And you see her untying strands. There's lots of, of icons and so on of it today and, and paintings of it. But it's just, there's an example of a way in which Our Lady representing a certain devotion to her uh, is made manifest to us. And obviously, there, there are plenty of others. Our Lady of Snows would be one and that comes to mind immediately. That comes to mind because when I first came to this country, in South Bend, Indiana, I would go to these prayer meetings and there was a Holy Cross brother, Brother Ronan, uh, who'd come to these prayer meetings. Every week, he would have a story of something happened or something went wrong, or he would pray to Our Lady of Snows. And Our Lady came through for him every time. It was amazing. Oh, well, that A Lady Undoer of Knots prayer is so beautiful. And uh, God bless Pope Francis for bringing it back to our attention and into our prayer life. And Bishop, with that, I just want to thank you for spending some time with us today to help us to reflect upon the Blessed Mother and to remember our mothers and the spiritual mothers, so many women who have been part of our lives through our faith journey to pray for them and to pray for many more mothers to be caring for us and to bring us into the Catholic faith. Would you help us close with your blessing and prayer? Certainly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, we ask you in this month of May to bless all mothers and all women who exhibit a mother's love to those given to their care. And we do so as we seek the intercession of your blessed mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady, untire of knots, pray for us. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all for joining us on this edition of The Voice of the Shepherd. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. For Bishop Peter Smith, I'm Dina Marie Hale. And until our next encounter, may God bless you. And for all the mothers, happy Mother's Day and happy Easter. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. 
You can support this vital mission of evangelization through MatraDayRadio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.